How's everybody? Good, good. Every, anybody here, everything is just perfect in your life right now? I didn't think so. And, and if that is the case, you didn't hear me right? Or um, if that is the case, take a picture of it because we're still this side of heaven and things change and, and there are challenges. Here's the reality too if you think about it. The enemy of our soul, life is what life is, but the enemy of our soul, he really only has five or six tricks. And you have to understand that and God is greater. Come on y'all, God is greater. And he's invited, invited us to participate in prayer with him uh, to release his presence, his help, his power into our life, into our pain, into our situations. So let's do that right now. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray together. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, thank you for every person here in this house, those in their house, those at East Campus. God, thank you that you see each one of us, you know each one of us. But you've invited us to call out to you, to lift our voice, to make our requests known to you. And God, you see, you see the pain, you see the questions, you see the need. Lord, you see all of those things, and so we bring them before you today. And I'm asking you, God, to heal, to help, to mend bodies, marriages, emotions, situations. Lord, where we don't know what to do, lead us, fill in the blanks, help us, God. Just in every way, we bring ourselves under your help, under your umbrella, under your care, God. And I pray, show yourself strong on behalf of your people. Help me now to deliver your word in the right way today. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for what you're going to do. And once again, we pray that when everything would be said and done today, that you, Jesus, the Lord of our life, the head over all things to this church, Jesus, may you be pleased. May you be honored. And may these your people, every single one of them, be helped today. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen, amen and amen. How about a huge welcome for online and East Campus. God bless you. So glad you're with us. It's going to be a good day today. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, um, I just have to go ahead and tell you up front that today's message is probably going to be extra, extra good. And now I'll tell you why because I had some help studying yesterday, if we can bring up my picture. <laughs> so today, her name's Grace too. So there's Grace all over this message today. So that's my youngest grandbaby, my youngest daughter. So get this, my baby girl had a baby girl. So she's about seven months old and that's Grace. And uh, we're celebrating Greta's 25th birthday uh, this weekend. And so um, I'm telling you what, there's a whole lot of joy in that little girl. And so if this message is awesome, that's why, that's why. So let's leave that up the whole service. <laughs> now we won't do it. <clears throat> hey, we're in a series called Financial Peace. How many of you like the peace part of that? Okay. And um, financial peace is way better than financial stress for real. And uh, today we're not going to talk just about financial peace. We're also going to talk about purpose as well. Um, very content rich today. I, I believe this will inform you. I pray this will also inspire you today. Um, this is just absolutely important. What we're doing, we're trying to, as a whole church family, move along in this journey to help all of us get more and more to a place of financial peace. And it's much more important than you could even um, 
imagine. So I'm doing these uh, teachings in the series. I actually finish the series today, and then we're about to launch groups. And here, your pastor, I want everybody to get into a group, please. And as you already know, you can get them online, you can get them Zoom, you can get them in person, you can get them. We have every which way, every which time to make sure you do that. You say, well, I'm not really a group person. Um, you know, you might surprise yourself. And uh, the benefit of what's going to happen, the resources, the information, the camaraderie that you'll have, the support that you'll have during this time is going to be incredible. Also, you're probably going to meet a best friend you never knew you had. Um, and that's part of uh, getting out of rows and getting into circles. Something special happens. And so I want to encourage everybody to get into a group. And everybody said, we will. Okay. Um, well, we all want, crave, need peace. We want that in every area of our life. We want it with God. We want it in ourselves. We want it with others. We want it in our marriage. Um, you know, we want it um, uh, with our neighbor. We want it in our nation. We want we we want peace. We we just crave that. And there's an area of peace that is uniquely important. And believe it or not, it is financial peace. Um, it's such a critical area because of financial stress being what it is. And I've talked about that over the last few weeks. Um, we certainly need to get ourselves to a place of financial peace. But this is more than just getting out of financial stress or duress. This is more than just finding financial relief. This is really about financial peace and purpose. When you're under financial stress and when you are financially bound, and let me re repeat this early on, okay? This has nothing to do with how much you make or what you have. It has to do with how you handle what you make and what you have. And you have your life, and you're not in competition with anybody. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses or anybody else, okay? It's a matter of you living your life, God blessing and helping you in your life, and you can have financial peace in that place. Can I get an amen if you understand that? So um, this is about finding financial peace and purpose. And if, you are, if you're bound, if you're stressed financially, you'll never have that financial peace, nor will you fulfill purposes that God may have for you. Do you realize that God may want to use you to help some others? Three of you, and they're mostly over on this side. How many, how many of you realize that God may want to use you to help somebody? God may want to use you to help accomplish something. So I think there's people, and I think there are kingdom purposes that are out before us that God wants to use you to be a part of, and we just can't. Sometimes the best we can do is, I wish you well, and I'll be praying for you. And those are powerful things. But there's nothing that anybody can tangibly do because we've gotten ourselves into a financial mess. And I think God has much more for us than that. Yes. Amen. Amen. Now, so here's, our, here's uh, our bottom line right here. And what this is entirely about is learning to handle your finances God's way. Come on, everybody read that with me. It's about learning to handle your finances God's way. And, and here we go. And God's way works. God's way works. Even in 2021. Even with uncertainties or whatever 
You know, God's way works. God was here first. God will be here long after any uh, pandemic, administration, problem, situation, whatever. Okay, God is over above all. Y'all aren't listening to me, all right? And, and he is able, and our hope is in him, and he is our hope, and he is our help, and his ways work. Amen. Look with me in Exodus chapter uh, 18, verse 20, in the New Living Translation. And it says this, and this is written to, is spoken to leaders, okay? So this is kind of my verse here. Teach them God's decrees, teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions, show them how to conduct their lives. And so this part of the role and responsibility, and listen, I'm no, I'm no better, I'm no different than you, it's just my call in this setting um, puts me up here and has me speaking uh, and I take that incredibly seriously, speaking on behalf of God to his people. And uh, he wants you to learn his decrees. He wants you to have his instructions on how to handle things and how to handle life. And show them this. Show them this, how to conduct their lives. You know why? Because it's not intuitive. We, we have to be taught something. We just, we just don't know. If we're left to our own devices, we make a mess. And then our, our world has lost its moorings. Our culture has lost its center. Uh, the human race is so confused about, is there truth and what is truth? And, and, and it's, this, it's this floating, moving uh, object, but yet there is truth, a forever truth out of God's word that is forever settled in heaven. Everything else changes. Watch it. Everything else changes and moves and shifts and leans and, and, and it's leaning left and it's leaning right and it falls down and gets back up. And, and what we have to do is, is base our lives, build our lives on the solid rock of God's word and learn to handle life, handle our finances even, um, God's way and God's way works. Amen? There's an old hymn of the church and here's, here's some of the words. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand all other ground is sinking sand. I feel like singing. Come on, sing it with me. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. It's true. That's true. And so we've got to build and base everything on the solid rock of God. And this, this hymn is actually based on a teaching that Jesus did. And this, this was written in the 1800s, but, you know, 2,000 years before that, Jesus was teaching. And he said, I want to tell you about a wise and foolish builder. And he said, if you take these sayings of mine, the teachings of Jesus, he said, if you hear them and do them, then you are wise. And you're like a person who would build their house, their life on a rock. And then the winds come and the rains come and the flood rises and the winds and rain beat against that house, but the house stands because it's built on a rock. My turn, buddy. It's built, it's built on a solid rock. He said, but if you hear these sayings of mine and you don't do them, 
It's just foolish. And then the winds come and the rains come and the water rises and the wind and rain beat against that house and it falls and great is the fall of it. In the New Testament Greek, it actually says it collapses. Why? Because it's built on sand. And see, when we hear and do the sayings of Jesus, we are wise because then we're building our, our life, we're building our house upon a rock and now it's storm ready. And we'll have storms. We'll have storms and you know, it's little pig, little pig, I'ma blow your house down. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because I'm built, my life, my everything is built upon a rock that cannot be moved, shaken, or never crack. And our, our connection, our direct connect to that is to hear and to do God's word and apply it in all areas of our life. And uniquely important also is the area of our finances. Can I get an amen today? So the key is this, put God first. Come on, everybody say it. Put God first. Matthew 6, is one place supported in scripture. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Actually means his way of doing and being right. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. What other things? The things you worry about and the things you need? And he says, I'll, I'll help you with the rest. So how does he do this? And, and, and first of all, put God first. I'm looking around, I think you already know that. So whether or not you're doing that, I believe you know you should do that. That you should put him first because he's God and he owns it all. Yes. And he's be here before any of us. I mean, he's God, he's overall, and he knows best. And the result of this is when you put him first, he will help you with the rest. When you put him first, he will help you with the rest. And that's in any area of your life, in a relationship, in a situation, at your job, a, a, a crisis you're in, whatever it would be, including even your finances, if you put him first, he will help you with the rest. And guess what? How is he gonna help me? He's gonna help you in ways that you couldn't have come up with. He's able to do supernatural, unexplainable things. He's able to open doors. He's able to give you favor. He's able to just cause some things to happen and protect you from some other things happening. It's like, how does that happen? Don't know. It's just that he's God. And when you put him first, he will help you with the rest. Does anybody know what I'm talking about at, at all? And this is, why, this is why the secret sauce of Christianity is gratitude, because gratitude, you're constantly reminding yourself, oh, wow, God, thank you. Thank you for that. I can't tell you how many times if you live the grateful life, you'll just see it, and you'll see it, and you'll see it, and say, so how, how come I got to do that? How come that came? How? And, and when God's helping you, sometimes you're going through stuff, you know, how are we going to get through this? It's like I put him first, he'll help me. And before you know it, you're through a situation. He's got, how did that happen? I'm telling you, put God first. Come on, everybody say it, put God first. And he will help you with the rest, amen. Now, too often, if you don't put God and his kingdom first, hear this, and this is, this is rough. 
If you don't put God and his kingdom first, if you don't seek God and his kingdom first, a lot of times you won't seek him at all because it's uncomfortable. If God's not in first place and you're kind of trying to tuck him down into fourth place or seventh place or even second place, it's uncomfortable because it doesn't fit there. God and his kingdom are to be first place. And overall, and that's not just for eternity, that's in your life, that's for your Tuesday, that's for your Saturday. That, and so when we don't seek his kingdom and him first, we tend to not seek him at all. And then what happens, it tends to fade to a less and less prominent place in our life and have less and less impact in our life. And it's a very, very dangerous downhill slide and digression, so we must put him first. So our topic is financial peace, and watch this. Financial peace involves both the practical and the spiritual. Read that with me. Financial peace involves both the practical and the spiritual. It's both. Part of the problem in our world today, part of the problem in the world today, is we're living in an either-or culture. And so if I'm over here and I hear somebody over here say something, it could be entirely true, but I reject it because they're over there. And there's a whole lot of both and. And even in your marriage or your situations, try to find the both and and stop being either or. You know, are you all with me? There's very few either ors, okay? It's either heaven or hell. And there's only one name under heaven whereby people can be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Jesus is the only way to the Father. So that's an either or. Well, there's a whole lot of both ands. And we have to understand that financial peace is both and. It's both practical and spiritual. You have to do both. Everybody say both. And it's not just the practical. Well, I'm going to uh, buy less lattes and save a little money, and I'm going to get on a budget. Good. That's practical. That's really good. But it'd be great if you had the help of God with that, too. Or you can't just come over here, I'm going to be nicer to people, and I'm going to pray five more minutes and uh, read a psalm. That's good, too. That's great. But you, you handle your money like a, like a four-year-old. And, and, and so pray all you want. You're going to have to have both. Come on, say it again, both. So it's both spiritual and practical. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I, I can't even list all the scriptures that would tie together both the practical and the spiritual. So as you get into groups, they're going to be showing you some of the baby steps and some of the practical things to do. And, um, you know, how to get rid of debt and get some margin and start to build some savings, even build some some wealth and start to prepare for your future and be able to help others and live a generous life. And they're gonna show you practical ways and they're also gonna show you some spiritual ways. I wanna emphasize the spiritual a little bit today. And I mentioned this in previous weeks. Here we go, God first. That's huge. Budget all you want, baby, but you gotta have God first. Stewardship, the Sabbath, you have to have a Sabbath. Uh, don't, don't expect everything's just going to go hunky-dunky because you're doing all the other stuff right. You cannot ignore what he said and the absolute vital importance of the Sabbath. Also, prayer. I mean, you need to be praying over your finances. You need to have faith concerning your finances. You need to forgive. You can't have grudges and strife in your heart and, and expect that, and, and Jesus teaches 
some parables on this too. You, you've got to get unforgiveness out of you. It's going to hinder your finances as well. And then also giving. And I'm going to talk about that in, in just a moment here. So let's go quickly to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I said we got a lot of content. I hope you're listening fast. All right. Again, now this is a pastoral epistle here. The Apostle Paul writing to young pastor Timothy. Thank you. And, and he says this, instruct those who are rich in this present world, not to be conceited or to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Go ahead, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So to start with, it says instruct those in the New Testament Greek, it actually means instruct, charge, and command. It's very strong language. So I'm telling y'all what today, okay? So get a hold of this. And this is not me, it's just me and my role. And it's God's truth coming to us. And he said, instruct those who are rich in this world. And some of you, when you saw that, said, well, good. It has nothing to do with me. Yes, it does. Can I tell you the reality? You're rich. I said, you're rich. Oh, no, not. Yeah, you are. By virtue of where you live, what you have, what you freely have access to, studies show that if you make, and some of you say, well, I don't make that much, but if you make $40,000 a year, you're in the top 2% of earners in the entire world. And then you have what I call rich people problems. They misspelt my name on my latte. And you're bothered all day. The Wi-Fi is slow on the airplane. Matter of fact, you have a whole room in your house for your clothes. Your clothes have their own room. And sometimes you go in that room and go, I don't have anything to wear. Am I right? And then some of you are like, I wish they'd hurry up and send me my COVID check. So I get a PS5 or an iPhone 12 or rich people problems. Now, I could teach on this for weeks. I'm going to give you about 50 seconds on this part right here. I am to instruct you. I am to charge you. And that passage gave a little outline. I'm going to hit it real quick. Here's the first thing. Don't be arrogant or put your hope in wealth. Secondly, humbly, gratefully enjoy what God gives you. See, some people clam up whenever you start talking about stewardship or these issues because they're thinking, oh, no, I got to give it all away. No, no, God's your father. He takes good care of you. And the scripture is very clear. He wants you to enjoy what he gives you. But he wants you to be humble about it and grateful about it. Y'all hear me? And then enjoy it. But understand that everything you have came from him. And so whatever he has blessed you with, not all the things you charged up for, but the things that he has blessed you with and provided for you, humbly and gratefully enjoy those things. And then lastly, use what you have for good. Use what you have for good. 
And in doing so, and Jesus taught about this extensively, he said, you're laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And for that which is truly life, you're setting things up uh, for what is yet to come. Amen? All right, now here we go. Putting God first and handling your finances God's way. And remember, God's way works. Putting God first and handling God, uh, your finances God's way always involves giving. Always involves giving. If God is first, if he's owner, if you're the steward, and if we're going to handle things God's way, it always involves giving. So unapologetically, and I'm not after anything from you. We're not. We're trying to help you. These are laws and principles of how it works. So let me run you through this. The opposite of giving would be what? No, not necessarily. The opposite of giving would be withholding. Withholding. Why would a person withhold? Greed, selfishness, unbelief. Pastor, you seem like a nice guy and all that. But I just don't believe this stuff. Fine. Not fine. Or fear. And what we're trying to do with withholding, withholding is an attempt to build security. I have to keep it because if I give it, I don't have it. And I have to build security. And here's the reality. You cannot build security by withholding from God. No, you need to hear me. You cannot build security by withholding from God. Look at me in Proverbs 11 real quick. There's one who scatters. It's the idea of seeds, planting, it's giving, yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. See, this is counterintuitive for us. Go ahead. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Now, whenever we see rich in the Bible, that doesn't mean that you're going to have a jacuzzi and a Ferrari, okay? Um, it's, it's a much bigger word than that. Look at this in the message paraphrase. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. Wow. So there's no way for me to put God first and no way for me to handle my finances God's way without being a giver. So there's a number of types of giving. I want to touch on this just real quick. There's tithes, there's offerings, there's alms. And one place in the book of Malachi, God speaks and he says, you've robbed me. How many of you know you should not rob God? Y'all, you should not rob God. How many of you saw Mike Tyson in the airport would go call him a punk? Voice is too high. What's the deal? I mean, you, there's some things you just shouldn't do. Church, you should not rob from God. And they said, how have we robbed you? And, and, and he said, you robbed me in tithes and offerings. So I want to touch this just super, super quick, just on the tithe. Tithe means tenth. And anything that comes to you, the tithe is right on top. It's right on top. And guess who it belongs to? It belongs to God. It belongs to him. It's holy to the Lord. It doesn't belong to you. And what he wants you to do, just right off the top. Oh, here, here comes increase into my life. And as it comes, right off the top, it's not yours anyway. So you don't give it to God. You actually return it to God. You bring it to God. It's like your stewardship deposit. It's like you open it. Okay, okay. God, thank you. You gave me this. And I want you now to bless the rest of this. And so you, re, you return it to the Lord in that way. Does that make sense? Much that I could teach on that. Actually, 
Think back to Jericho, children of Israel, overtaking, destroying Jericho. God said, in essence, that Jericho was a tithe to him. It was the first thing that you would conquer coming into the new land. And he said, all of it's mine. Don't keep anything for yourself. All of that's mine. I'm going to bless you in this new land, though. And so when Achan, if you'll remember that story in Joshua 6, he held back and he kept a wedge of gold and some, some weird robe. Be careful, weird robes, okay? And, and he held that to himself. And then when that gets corrected in a pretty strong way, the scripture reveals that the tithe is actually, in the Hebrew word, means devoted slash accursed. And it is, it is designated for consumption. It will be consumed. So if you keep the tithe, you can't save it because it's going to be consumed. If you give it to God, it's going to be consumed. And, and it is designated for no unclean use. Deuteronomy 26 has the law of the tithe. It is not for any unclean use. So you don't divert what belongs to God and spend it on vacation or visa or vittles or, or, or whatever else that you're doing. It belongs to God. And so what we do is the tithe. Second would be offerings and our, and our giving. And the tithe does not require faith. It's just obedience. It's just obedience because it never was yours and so you return to God. But, but giving, giving requires faith and it requires love. And when we give, everybody say give. It's not just about being kind. It's not about being charitable. It's not about uh, a tax write-off. It's spiritual. It's spiritual and it changes everything. And to help us understand that is presented to us in Scripture as sowing and as seed. So look real quick in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, remember this, a farmer, y'all, you can picture this so far, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. We understand that. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Everybody tracking so far? Y'all learning farming right here. Next verse. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Quarter of an acre or are you going to plant a 40 acre? In your heart, how much to give? And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So notice it uses that idea of the farmer. And due to the law of the harvest, here's what happened. A farmer has seed. A farmer plants or scatters seed. Jesus taught a parable about this. And he says, and when the farmer plants the seed, then he goes about his business and the seed sprouts and grows. And he, the farmer, he himself does not know how. He knows to do his part. He knows the system works. He know how that works. And it starts to sprout and grow and he goes about his business and then eventually it grows up and it becomes a harvest. And Jesus said this, he says, and it does it by itself. The Greek word is automate, it's automatic. Something happens and then the harvest comes. So there is no farmer that holds the seed and said, but if I sow this, then I won't have it anymore. He understands I've got to put it out into a system and something's going to happen that I don't even know how this works. It does it kind of automatically and then it takes place. And, and understand, sometimes we're reluctant to give because we, we think that way. We say, well, if I give it, then I don't have it. But when we give in this way to honor God and to handle our finances in God's way, don't miss this. When we give, when it leaves our hand, it doesn't leave our life. 
it leaves our present and it enters our future. So here's the principle. Sowing, giving is an invitation for God to be involved in your finances. And you need to invite him. Withholding does not invite him. But when we give, that invites him. And we need God to do what he does in supernatural, unexplainable ways to help, to bless, to protect, rather than you just doing this all on your own. Are y'all with me? So once he's involved, there's no need to fear. Once he's involved, there's no need to fear. We fear because we can't see ahead. We fear because there's things we don't know. We fear because we can't control circumstances. But God knows everything we don't, no one else does. You've got to get God in your finances. Now, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, and we're coming in for landing here in just a moment. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, and God will generously, this is the result of that. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Well, how secure can you get? Uh, Hold up, because we're not at that verse yet. You can't get any more secure than that, than God providing what you need all the time and you having an abundance left over to share with others. And that's what you're trying to produce when you withhold. I can't give it because then I won't have what I need, but it's a point of trusting God, getting everything else in order. Now, go to verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat in the same way. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Is that verse 11? Okay, good. Now, God supplies seed. Say it. God supplies seed seed. Stop eating your seed. Stop hiding your seed, trying to store your seed. I believe God will show you and prompt you that he has given you seed. God doesn't want to take everything you have. If he did, he'd already do it, okay? He would just do it. But I find times where I know there's something I have and it is seed. Sometimes, and this just happened again, I got to do better at this, I put on a pair of jeans, I reached down the pocket, and there was a $20 bill. Now, God did not supernaturally put that in there. I left that in there, okay? But when I found it, it was like, bonus! (laughs) And right away in my heart, I felt like, that's for someone today. I know that the Lord said, I want you to take this. And however that all happened, it's in my pocket. My carelessness or God ordaining that. So he could get my moment, get my attention in that second. This is for somebody today and I'll show you who it is. And then you're able to go and sow that seed and be a blessing in that way. Amen. Are you hearing me? God will prompt you and show you what a seed. You know, sometimes a church, kingdom projects, and you know, okay, I'm to sow seed to make that happen. God will show you and prompt you what seed is. And then finally in Genesis 8:22, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. These go on until the earth ends. And guess what? Including seed time and harvest. So God, when we put him first, when we handle things his way, he will not only provide, but he will also replenish the seed that you have so that you can always live a generous life. Bottom line principle right here. You can never, come on. You can never 
outgive God. Come on, one more time. You can never outgive God. So look at me, church. Put God first. Handle your finances God's way. God's way works. Stop wrestling with it and realize that if, God, if I am going to put God first and if I am going to handle things God's way, it's going to require some giving. But God provides even what I'm to give. David said this, even what we give you came from you. It's like your kids buying you something at Christmas. You gave them the money, all right? God provides, and then he puts you in the system. Let him be God. Invite him in because you need his help in every area of your life. And this is such an important area of your life, and I want so bad for you to have financial peace and be able to fulfill the purposes that God has for you as you arrive at financial peace. Amen? Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? I pray so.